Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life, but the luck of the draw. Two weeks ago, I had adultery and divorce, and today I have temptation. It's not that funny, Tim. You can eat everything and joy. God has provided for Adam and Eve in every possible way. It wasn't like they were being denied something. They were given every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat it. If you eat it, you will die. Pretty cut, straightforward thing there, right? But this isn't about eating fruit from trees. It's not about figs versus apples. This is about what did God really say? Does God speak? This is the question posed to Adam and Eve, and this is the question posed to every human being since. Did God really say Well, this is a question of faith. Do we believe it? Does God speak or does he not? Now, we see this serpent that is twisting God's words to trick Eve into eating the fruit from the tree they're told not to touch. However, the reading this morning stops in in a place that we are not really allowed to see the depth of the decision that they have made. We need to keep reading on to verse 8 to fully understand the rest of the chapter. I heard someone say, the way this ends is a bit like a Michelangelo painting. Here they are wearing fig leaves in this beautiful garden. (coughs) If we read a little bit further, this is where God walks in the cool of the garden and asks the question, where are you? Now, if you hear this by anything but faith, you are hearing it as an accusation. Here's what happens. Where are you? The woman made me do it. Where are you? Snake made me do it. Well, eventually they are cast out of the garden. Not because God is angry, but because God is gracious. He's worried they'll eat of the tree of eternal life and that they will be in his presence and judgment forever. And he covers them with animal skin, a sacrifice apart from themselves. And, by the way, the first sacrifice in the Bible. This is why we really can't stay too long in the reading from Genesis, but we need to move on to Romans. As sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. You can see the ramifications from this. If you've ever thrown a big rock into a still pond and you see the ripple effect just go and go and go and go and go, it just continues. You can see what happened in Genesis and how it affected the whole thing. Now, what Paul is saying here, and by the way, this is a uniquely Christian doctrine, the idea of original sin 
is that Adam's sin is imputed to you. But at the same time, Christ's righteousness is also by faith imputed to you. So one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now what stands out to me about this is the voice. Where are you? In Adam, that voice comes with all kinds of psychological manners. We hear it in different ways, but it always comes as an accusation. Where are you in terms of adding up at your job? Where are you in terms of adding up as a husband? Where are you in terms of adding up as an individual? But in Christ, righteousness has been imputed to you. It has been given to you. It has covered you. So God sees you as perfectly righteous right now. So now the voice of God, where are you, is no longer one of an accusatory judge. But in Christ, it is the voice of a loving father who longs to be connected with you. And like the patriarchs before us, like the people of faith before us, when God calls us, where are you, because you have been made righteous, you can say, here I am. Now we look at Matthew's reading today, and we get to see Jesus in his very real human self. He's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He's tired. He's hungry. It's fairly easy to presume he probably wasn't at his best. I don't know about you, but after three or four hours, I get a little hangry. Imagine 40 days. Well, this passage ties into the Old Testament beautifully. Jesus is tempted with the same things the Israelites were tempted with in the Old Testament. And he was tempted by the same things that Jesus says that you and I are tempted with every day. And evidently, we fail at it. The first is our appetites. The second is our identity. If you are the Son of God, do this and prove it. And the third is glory. Worship me. Well, this is not a three-step list to help you resist the devil's temptation. What this text is really getting at, you see Jesus there, and when the devil can't get it done, he leaves him, and angels come and wait on him. One of the musicals I've done for years at this point, it's Jesus is in Georgia, and he's out in the wilderness. He says, at that moment, the devil left him, and angels appeared with a sack of chili cheese dogs for him. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, part of the curse as a result of the fall is that, and remember this from Ash Wednesday, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, if you remember, part of the curse for the serpent was that he would have to go along on his belly, and what? Eat dust all day long. This is not about three steps or three ways to resist the devil and become a better Christian. It's not what it's about. Because before the devil, even on your best day, you are dust and you are snake lunch. 
The point of this particular text is not, here's how I'm going to do it now. The point of this is for you to know that you can fall on your knees and say, finally, here is the one. This theme runs throughout the book of Genesis. The seed, the offspring, this is what they were looking for. Finally, we have seen, we have read about the offspring who has come and will defeat the devil for you and I. And he lives perfectly before his Father in heaven. Lives as an actual, truly human being, not trying to be something he is not. And he lays down his life, and because of him, you and I are credited as righteous. Yeah, that was good timing. My friends, remember, you are not Jesus. And what we see today is Jesus doing the thing that he was sent for and saving us. This is him fulfilling his righteousness and his identity as the sinless one so that he can give that righteousness to us as a gift. Amen.